We're going to be reading uh, Hebrews 4.14. Now, I just want to draw your attention because last week we talked about the fear. Key number one. But tonight, we're going to talk a little, we're going to talk about the two twins. There's two twins in there. There's hold fast our confession, right? And then hold fast our confession without wavering. So we're going to talk about those twins. And then we're going to talk about the throne of grace and the most holy place. Are we good? All right, here we go. Um, everybody say amen when you're at Hebrews 4.14. Okay. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Let us hold fast our confession. The word confession... I'm a definitions guy, so I like to do a lot of definitions. Um, I find a lot of supernatural activity in the definition. Uh, the word confession is derived from the word in the original Greek and means, and then I'll pray for the offering. It means to say the same as. Father, I thank you for the tithes and the offerings. And Lord, we just ask that you pour out a blessing on this, on these people, on, on these people, God, that they cannot contain. Father, I also pray that 2020 would be a door or a window of open finances. I just decree and declare that. I see the window of heaven open, and I thank you for it, God. So it means to say the same thing as. So if we are going to hold fast our confession this is a condition, then we are going to have to talk the way the Bible tells us to talk. That's to hold fast our confession. I don't get to hold fast any other confession. I have to hold fast the confession that, um, that the Bible tells me or that I profess. Like my confession, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's my confession. So I hold fast to that confession. I continually tell myself, I am a son of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am a son of God. And I am in Christ, in Christ. And so I just keep talking about my confess. I keep confessing who I am. I would really suggest that every one of you talk about your identity in Christ. Go around and just confess yourself saying, um, I am justified in Christ Jesus. I am being sanctified through the power of the Holy Spirit. These are holding fast. We are, we are saying the same thing as, as what? As the written word. That's holding fast our confession. The basic meaning of confession is to say the same as. Therefore, we make the words, we make the words, I'll say it again, we make the words of our mouth agree with God's word. You know, we don't get to complain and murmur like the Israelite. You know, just take off your Israelite coat and put on the, and put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You do all these things at the Bible, and you walk around, and you confess what the Word says. You confess it. You know, I was, um, I was writing about a, um, in my, I guess it's in my seventh, the, my seventh book in the series of Exploring Secrets of the Heavenly Realm, and I, I was in, um, I was in Ephesians 1, 3 through 8a. 1 John 2, verse 1, um, sec, uh, Colossians 2, 15, and then there's one more. But anyways, I was actually writing out a prayer that from the word, I decree and I declare 
and I put the Word of God in a prayer form. So I'm basically, it's kind of like um, not being a commentary because I'm using at least 50% of every, of every word, but I'm kind of making it a little bit more in the English language on how to pray when you encounter a fallen angel. So it is that saying the same thing or I'm confessing and I'm praying the word of God in prayer form. I think one of the most powerful things the believer can do is to confess what God has already said. Now, you can walk around and, and confess your, prof, your prophecy. Okay, I'll say it again. You can confess your prophecy because it is the word of God. It's just not the written word. But you can confess about whatever God has said about you. You need to walk around and confess that. That is holding fast your confession. There's 12 let us's in the book of Hebrews. So whatever, get, whatever gets said next Saturday night, over, you know, you should bring your children. Uh, we're gonna, we're, I'm going to have, instead of doing this, we're going to have lines lined up. We're gonna, we're, I'm going to work those prophets next week. Their mantle is going to be dripping with sweat. They ain't gonna have, there won't be one word of God left in them. We're going to squeeze them dry. We're going to line up the children before them. We're going to line up the adults. And we're going to get them to prophesy. We're going to worship a prophetic atmosphere in this place. And it's going to be like butter. It's just going to, you know what butter is, right? What's butter? No. Come on, you should be in the book of Job with me. Butter is the anointing. It has everything to do with the anointing. Mm. Job says, Job says the anointing is like butter. Ah. The implication of confession means to say it out boldly. I, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. No, that won't work. That won't work either. The definition means to speak it boldly. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I speak it boldly. I walk around and I proclaim and I decree and I confess over my life. See, <clears throat> have you ever tried to talk somebody out of it, out of something that they're just not going to give way? See? So when the devil tries to talk you out of your holding fast, you just keep decreeing and declaring till the devil leaves. Like he did in Jesus in the wilderness. Try tested, uh, this Christian's not gonna break. This believer actually believes the confession. Every time we make the right confession, we say the right positive declaration or de uh, uh, with our mouths, the right declaration or the right uh, confession with our mouths. We say it. Jesus has, Jesus has obligated. Here is the key. This is the key. Jesus has obligated himself to ensure that our confession is made good in God's courtroom. You say, give me a scripture, 1 John 2, 1, that Jesus is your advocate, our advocate. And as long as I am confessing the word of God, he is obligated to what? Because he is the word. He is the word. It is more than just, you know, confession is just a way of renewing your mind. Let me go there. That's a good place to go. The longer you confess the word of God, I'm going to make 25 sales today because I am a tither. And I tithe and God pours out the window of heaven for me. All the way into the next one. 
and to the next one, and to the next one, and to the next one, until that word and that confession starts to produce fruit. Weariness and heaviness will not get on a believer that can confess because you are resisting what the adversary is trying to do, the accuser. He's trying to talk you out of your money. He's trying to talk you out of your healing. You walk around and say, by the stripes of Jesus, and you know what? I don't, my children are saved. My mama walked around for 25 years praying for my salvation. And then when I got saved, the very first thing God did was put the anointing on me and start, and I got to, for all the years I was tormented, I got to do a little bit back. It's amazing. Hebrews 3 and 1 says this, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our what? Our confession. Our confession. He is the apostle and high priest of our confession. Uh-oh. Now, you need to understand a high priest is someone who represents the people of God in, in the most holy place or in God. That's what a high priest does. So, you, we need to understand that Jesus is obligated, or I, I, let me say this, it is his love for us. He loves to what? Hold fast or to make that confession real in the presence of God. He is, rep Jesus is representing you in the presence of God based on your scriptural confession. Now, the police officer just walked in, so I got all kinds of ideas going on. Guess what a police officer wants, or a detective wants? They want a confession. They want a confession. Why? Because it's legally binding. Oh, come on. I'm ready to preach the gospel now. <laughs> Jesus is looking for your confession to move legally against the kingdom of darkness. He wants your confession so he can go to God and say, God, this is the word, bam, I represent. I demand legal action. That's the gospel. The word of God is powerful. Hebrews 4 and 12. Powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides soul and spirit, bone and marrow, and every thought and intent of the heart. The word of God is a weapon or a legal declaration in the heavenly realms for God to bring you your breakthrough. It's true. Kind of sound like Kenneth Hagin Sr. and all the taking you back 30 years, 40 years, back into the faith camp about confession. The church, always, the church used to talk about confession. Now we just want to bandage you up and make sure that you squeak through the gates of heaven. Not here. I'm going to have you tearing those gates off the hooks. <laughs> Angels will be replaced. Here comes another COA member. Got her. Everybody to the repair. Get the gates. Ripping the gates of heaven off. Let me in. I confess, I demand. If we make our right confession, if we make our right confession with the mouth, Jesus obligated himself that we will not be put to what? 
in the scriptures, it says we will not be put to shame. Shame. Shame is the very first thing that Adam felt when he was disarmed. What was he disarmed? The Bible says that Adam was naked or he was disarmed from the Shekinah glory. Whenever we are confessing, whenever we lose or we decide not to confess, we are actually disrobing God's armor that protects us. Allowing the enemy to pull back and shoot a dart or an arrow and send a lie. I'll never forget, I was ministering to a pastor, and I'm not going to tell you where, but it was in, it was in Texas, and I was ministering. We were, I was invited to come and do a deliverance uh, seminar and casting demons out of everybody, and then the Holy Spirit had me walk over to the pastor of the church. Oh, boy, I tell you what. But you have to go. If you don't go, you'll never be asked again. So I don't get to choose who I minister to. I just go over there and I start to talk and either my, my words will either uh, approve me or disapprove me. And I started going in on this guy and the power of God started ripping him. I said, I just pull out of every lie. I pull out every lie, every arrow that the, your shield of faith has been stuck with full. Of arrows. You know, just seeing it in the spirit. And I started talking to the lies that the Holy Spirit was just downloading the lies. He's going. Next thing you know, he's grabbing the trash can. The point is, is that we will never be put to shame if we hold fast our confession. If we don't confess, uh-oh, here comes the spank me. You know how it is around here? 90% here, and then here comes the, if we don't. I got to tell you the truth. If we don't confess, we silence Jesus in the heavens. If we don't confess... If you are not confessing your prophecies, if you're not confessing the word of God and your identity in Christ Jesus, you are silencing the son of God, your high priest in the heavenly realms that has, that has ascended above all the heavens to represent us in the presence of God himself. It's true. That's why we always talk, okay, God, on power evangelism, Father, we thank you for the souls and the healings and the deliverances. And guess where you end up? You end up with some 25-year-old in the laundromat in the men's restroom, and he's woofing demons in the toilet, getting saved after you bring him out. Things are happening. I think... What was that, Megan, when, whenever, when you and I were, were, we were in the laundromat and that lady, thyroid, eye condition, hearing, she had, a, she had a deaf ear. I mean, the power of God almost knocked her into the laundry basket. <laughs> Luckily, there were, I was going, oh, there's towels in there and that's going to be okay. <laughs> and this is the Holy Spirit, he... he we didn't even get to pray. After come Holy Spirit, that was it. Next thing you know, boom, thyroid, uh, you know. It was fun. The point is, the point is, is that we had prayed and we, we prayed in faith. God, we want healings, deliverances, salvations in Jesus' name. Okay, here it comes. Thank you. If you confess with your mouth and you believe with your heart, you shall have what you pray. Because if I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, I shall be saved. Confession. I don't get credit for that, Preston. 
I just heard. It's important that we confess. In 1 John 2, 1, my little children, here comes the Amplified Bible. Believers, dear ones, listen to the Amplified Bible speak over you. Believers, my little children, dear ones, I am writing these things so that you will not sin and violate God's law. And if anyone sins, we haven't, what? An advocate who will intercede for us with the Father. There he is, Jesus representing us right in the face of the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous, the upright, the just one, who conforms to the Father's will in every way, purpose, thought, and action. Now, here's what your confession is going to do if Jesus is operating for you as your, as our advocate. This is what he's going to do for you. He is going to take the will of God and start working that here on, on earth for you. He's going to start to bring you in places of uprightness. He's going to make you just in the eyes of the Father. He's done that. But he will even make it even more just. I must move on the sake of my child. It won't be just saving justice. It will be other justices. Every purpose, every thought, and every action... That God, want, that God has for you and wants to do for you, Jesus is interceding. Now I'm, gonna, I'm going to say intercession. Uh, the Bible says two or three must, must agree. So I must agree with the written word or the son of God. And guess what? There it is. There it is. You guys are look. Let me let me let me get it. What I mean by there it is. Every time you agree with God's thoughts and plans for your life, Jesus goes into action, because you're confessing on earth what He's confessing in heaven, and it's ripping the throne of God. God's going. I hear. I hear heaven and earth. The Bible says, Moses says, this day I call heaven and earth to account. Account of what? The confession of God's word. Us on earth, Jesus in heaven, heaven and earth coming together to confess. That's our confession. I need to move along because I'm still on number two or number one. I might keep you here until 1030. Jesus is our attorney, the one who pleads our case in heaven. Here's my point. Here's my point, and we'll move on. Let us confess with our mouths God's word, agreeing. Now, agreeing is a mindset. I'm not going to agree with Doug because we're friends. I'm going to agree with Doug because we agree on a truth. Because truth cannot separate. I'll let you think about that for a minute. Let me just bring it home a little bit deeper. Lee and I's relationship is based on truth. And because of truth, that we lie not to one another, that we agree. When there's truth, there's agreement. When there's no truth, there's no agreement. If I'm, not getting, if I'm not getting along with my wife, which that really never, but it's usually the other way, but uh, she's not in the room, right? She's not in the room. I'm just lightening up a little bit, okay? The point is, the point is, as long as I, as long as I am operating out of love, obviously, but we are agreeing, we come into agreement, 
and it will always be it will always be based on truth. Truth. No truth, no agreement. Hebrews 10:23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Faithful. Our confession enlists Jesus' ministry. Uh-oh. We're going a little bit deeper here. We got God. We got Jesus representing us in heaven now. And now we got the ministry of Jesus coming into agreement with his word. Right? Hebrews 10.23 adds two words, without wavering. My confession, without wavering. That means I must, if he is faithful, I must be faithful. I don't waver at the promise of God. I'm going down with the ship. I'm going to write it all the way down, knowing that my whale will be sent. <laughs> Even if I'm regurgitated up on a bank. But I'm not going to throw the cargo over the ship. I'm not going to be, you know, they were throwing the cargo over the ship. They were throwing the very things that could have brought them financial prosperity. They were throwing over the things that was meant to bless them. Oh. Should I go again or we got it? We got it. Okay. Because you can't throw over, you can't overthrow your, you can't just throw your blessings overboard. Because then you're left with no blessings. Don't waver if the blessings of God. Stand in the face of adversity and decree and declare what God has said. First, we make the confession. Second, having made it, we hold fast. You know, it reminds me of my military days, but, you know, <clears throat> hold fast is another word for stand down. It means somebody of authority says, hold fast, soldier. Hold fast. In other words, stand down. This isn't your fight. The fight is the Lord's. My job, see, if I'm obeying the hold fast, uh-oh. If I'm obeying the hold fast without wavering, then I know that somebody that has written that scripture is doing its job. Because I'm ordered to hold fast. Stand down, Bruce. The battle is the Lord's. Some of you need to hear this tonight in the room. Some of you are going with the what for? Every, the devil's throwing everything, and you're, you're trying to throw every blessing out the wind, out the over overboard. Don't. Third, we hold fast without wavering. Right. We uh, number two, we hold. Uh, having made it, we hold fast. We do not change. From that point forward, once you make the confession, you're done. You don't get to go back. Listen, here we go again. That uniform is triggering me. <laughs> once I make my confession, once I confess to the crime, once I confess, there's no going back. They're not going to come and try and talk me out of that confession. They're going to ring me up. That's what the devil, or that's what Jesus wants to do to the devil. 
He wants to take that, that confession of yours into the courtroom of God and get a verdict for you. It's what Jesus is doing. The cross is the simplest form of a verdict. It rendered, it stripped the powers of darkness without wavering implies that we are going to encounter negative forces. Doesn't it? Without wavering, here it comes. Here, here comes the spank me on this, on this part of it here. Without wavering, without wavering says, there's going to be negative forces to test your waiver. I've been... I, I don't, you don't know, Pastor Bruce, I've been in 27 prayer lines for my healing. Yeah, getting 28, 29, 30, 31, whatever, until it happens. You are the, a relentless child of God. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent... Oh, God, I got some people in this room with me tonight. Jesus. Rock the house tonight, Jesus. I feel something kicking. That means get ready. Get ready for carpet time. The writer of Hebrews tells us, right? Tells us that there's pressures, pressures are going to come. Negative forces are going to come. And they're going to come against us. And they're going to test us if we waver. The writer of Hebrews also tells us, don't let go. Don't let go. Hold fast without wavering. Don't let go of Jesus and his ministry. I'll move on right after this. If as long as I am not wavering, I am giving God's ministry time to work in my situation. 25 years of salvation. My mom saw me. My mom came to a meeting when she came to Texas, and she says, oh, my gosh, Bruce. On a, on a Sunday morning, I did 25 major exorcisms in a church. Major. I was going and getting the people like. And the Lord was just exercising these guys. And I'm talking about full-blown full manifestations of demons all over the place. And things were just, it was unreal. I was so tired that I could, I, I felt like I wanted to just drop. And this was 20 years ago. You know, when I still had some pretty good fight in me. I was exhausted. I was exhausted. And then my mom, after she saw that, she says, oh, my gosh, now I really have to pray. <laughs> she had never seen anything like that before. I'd never seen anything like that before. But we got totally wasted, my mom and I, on the way to that church. And she was driving. I'm going, mom. We're kind of sloshing around, you know. Anyways, I don't want to get far off. See, in Romans 4, 19 and 22, uh, Romans 4, 19 through 22, um, without weakening in his faith, without Abraham didn't waver, he didn't weaken in his faith. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, and since he was about 100 years old, and Sarah's womb was also dead, he did not waver. He did not waver. 25 years for a promise. And the Bible says he did not waver. Just sit back and confess. And go for the ride. Go for the ride. But he was what? He didn't waver, yet he did not waver through unbelief. Unbelief? Ugh. Ooh. Can't wait till our next deliverance mini. I'm going to go after that guy. 
It did not... It, it did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith. If you do not waver, faith will strengthen you. It will strengthen you. Somehow I am going to stand on the promises of God. We sing about standing on the promises of God. But here's the key. And what did he do? And gave glory to God. Can you imagine confessing and going, I glorify you, God. Even though my eyes cannot see what I confess, as it is written, I have. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. So we walk by faith and not by sight. Notice the opposite between faith and sight. I'm going to either believe what I see or I'm going to believe what I know to be the reality of an unseen world. And I'm going to hang on to it. Now, we're going to move on to the second one. Did you guys get anything out of that? Now, we're going to draw near to the throne of grace. And I'm, I'm throwing a lot of stuff at you today because there's 12 of them. And Christmas is coming. And you guys probably want to do some shopping. Let us, therefore, in Hebrews 4 and 6, uh, 16, let us, therefore, draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and may find grace to help in the time of need. God is saying, this is what God is saying, if you will approach my throne, having met my conditions, what are the conditions? Your confession, we just talked about it, and if you will acknowledge your need, God, I have a need. And I confess, the, the Bible says, this is, you will meet all my needs according to the riches that are in Christ Jesus. You promised. Guess what's going to happen to you? You're first going to receive mercy. Mercy is forgiveness and God's grace. Then you can, mercy is to receive and grace is to be found in this scripture. I receive the mercy of God. I receive it. But grace is always found. I find grace whenever I put the scriptures into action. I find mercy whenever I go to the throne of grace. Whenever I call out to God in my need, whether it's salvation, healing, finances, whatever that need is, the Bible promises me mercy. The mercy of God, because why? Because he is looking at you and with your confession and Christ at your right side or you us at his right side standing there with the Lord himself. So in your prayer closet, you're not alone. You look around. Mercy relates to people who have sinned or done something wrong or there is something that is not quite right. God wants to give mercy to his church. Grace is what God will freely do for us beyond what we deserve. That God will do far above and beyond all that we can think or imagine. That's the scripture that's coming to me right now. Whatever I can imagine, God is going to do more. Everything that God has ever promised me, he's always done more than the promise. He is that way. You know why he's that way? Because for what happens for those that diligently seek him? He's the rewarder. She reads her Bible. God rewards those who diligently seek them. A reward is something that is beyond what is promised, Doug. Grace is what God freely willingly will do beyond. 
Grace will never be deserved. Grace is supernatural and does beyond all the limits of the natural. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? I only have a few more minutes. Um, one more thought, and then we'll move on to the, la the fourth one. Um, first of all, come before, come for mercy. The very first thing, always come into the presence of God for mercy. Never ask for your rights. Oh, God, he said, she said. Forget all that. Appeal to, you know, when, when, when David sinned and God, God was going to drop the hammer on him, David was smart enough to say, God, you pick because you're merciful. I truly, truly change my heart. I'm convicted and I repent and I change. Now, you have mercy on my life. You choose. God will always choose your best. And the funny thing about that 2 Samuel 24 chapter, somewhere around the 16th verse, is he said, get, he, was, he went to a, I, I forget the guy's name, but he went to that threshing, uh, threshing floor, and guess what happened? The angel that was sent from Dan to Beersheba, or from Beersheba to Dan, or whichever one is this and that, but from north to south, throughout all Israel, there were 70,000 of them that were slain. Guess what that death angel would have done to, would have wiped out the whole army. Would have wiped them whole out. But David went to the threshing floor, paid an offering, bought with money, didn't take anything. He approached God in humility. Humbled himself and confessed. Have mercy. And you know what? The three-day three sentence was only hours long. It didn't run three days. It didn't even run a full day. According to Scripture, God is merciful. Once he knows that we have truly, truly, it's over. It's over. You're going to find Grace. Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. Therefore, brother, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, now we come into the most holy place. First, we're drawing near to God, right? Now we come with the blood of Jesus by the new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is, his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God. With a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith. Notice how everything is tying together in progression. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from our guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Hebrews 4.16, we come to God for help in our time of need. And when we do that, God promises mercy first, then grace. I love it. I love it. You mean I can go and ask God to forgive me for doing something that I shouldn't have done, like say something bad to my wife? Now, those are some of the major sins I have in my life. About every two or three times a year, I'll say something that really ticks my wife off. But I'm also human. <laughs> Amen, right? So, I need to come to the, I need to come and I need the mercy of God. Oh God, be merciful to me. I mean, 95% of my, 95% of my lifetime is peace on earth. It's pretty good. But it's taken me 16 years to get there. And a whole lot of Holy Spirit, come, 
fixer. No. I can say things. She's not here. Silencio, Megan. See, therefore, in Hebrews, let us come to God in our need, in our time of need. Hebrews 10.22 says this, We draw near to God himself. The outer court, any Israelite could come. I'm almost done. I'll be done in two minutes. The outer court, any Israelite could come. But the most holy place, guess what, or the, the holy place, the, the, only the priest could come. But the most holy place, only the high priest could come. Because Jesus is our high priest, we can now approach the throne or the most holy place. We can also approach the throne of grace through Christ Jesus. Notice, let us draw near. Number six and number four, let us draw near. Let us. That is a command. You can draw near to God. You can come to the most holy place. That is to visit the Father himself. That is for you. When I come to the throne, when I come to the most holy place, I am coming to I am coming for relationship. When I come to the throne of grace, I need mercy and I need God to help me in my time of need. It is so important that we get back to these very simple truths that, that, has, that has kind of filtered out of the church about telling how, t- teaching the people how to approach the Father. He's your answer. The gospel of self-help is not your answer. It's not your answer. The Father is your answer, and Jesus is the door. He is the door to the Father. Nothing will come to us except through Christ Jesus. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost ripping. I know, I want to pray in tongues too. Last thing, last point. Hebrews tells us that there are four requirements, four requirements out of these four things that we talked about to enter the most holy place. Those four requirements are found in Hebrews 10, 9 through 22. They are a sincere heart. I have to approach God with a sincere heart. Daddy, I need some loving. I come with a sincere heart. I want your presence, O Lord. Full assurance of faith. You come in full assurance of faith. Now, here's what the Lord used to do to me. When I was a young, when I was a young Christian, I'd, I'd soak in the presence of God, and the power of God would just shake my body. You know, I'd just be shaking. And sometimes I would feel like I was doing negative G's. Like the weight of the Shekinah glory would push me. And I felt like I was sinking. Felt like I was in a a fighter jet going. The G-forces were so strong that at times I would feel like uh, I, I could hardly breathe. But I was at such peace. And then all of a sudden, the next time I came in, there would be nothing. No presence at all. Nothing. Nothing. See, he was, I was approaching God with a sincere heart, but he was teaching me to come with the, full, with the assurance of faith that if I come in there with faith, I will have the touch. Just wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. Sit there. One time it's two minutes. The next time it's two hours. 
But you come in full assurance that I'm not leaving the holy place without relationship. I'm not leaving. The third thing. I'm giving you the how-tos here. The third thing. The heart sprinkled. Once the weight starts coming, confess your socks off. And then you're out for the count. Why? Because you're being sprinkled in that place. You're, you're confessing your weaknesses. And come on, we have these things that stand between us and that, that unlimited intimacy. That unlimited intimacy. But I can't go in when I have a judgment against my wife. Don't go in there. Don't go in there and expect daddy to be okay with it. Because you're going to go, <sighs> and you're going to go, what's wrong? What's wrong? How come I'm, how come the presence is here, but I feel like, uh, I confess, I confess, I confess. Sprinkle from an evil conscience. This stuff is bad. We, here, here's the key. You soak in the presence until this is God-centered. Uh oh. You bypass that. Oh, I wonder how long it's been. You just slip into daddy's zone. You go from right out of, you go out of time into the throne. And the last one is this our bodies are. Sprinkled or tased, if you will. Tased. I'll use the word tased. See that thing I tell you. I remember the police video. Ah! <laughs> yeah, that was. I got the video clip. Anyways, our bodies with pure water. Pure water. You know, uh, there's something in the presence of God that just washes you off. Do you feel that? Do you know? Do you feel that? When you go into the presence of God, you're sprinkled because you're confessed, and then there's this, there's this washing that goes on. You feel, when you come out of the presence of God, you feel like, whoa. See? Did you guys get anything? We're going we're gonna to continue. Next week we have the prophetic night, but then we're going to continue on these because these are very, very important keys to, uh, uh, to, to that personal, the let us's that drives you into God's presence. Why don't we stand?